even when we were your foe, Lord, even when we had no thought of you, that you were for us. That Jesus, as we've declared already, that God so loved the world, that you so loved the world, that you came and you died a sinner's death upon the cross so that we could be set free. God, we thank you, we praise you today for your seemingly reckless love. People would say it was wasteful, it was, it was ridiculous, the amount you love us, God. Lord, as we tell people the gospel, some people say that's just too easy, that's just too simple. But that is your love for us, that you have made a way, that you have done it all for us, God. And today we just want to say thank you. Yes. We want to acknowledge who you are and all that you've done. And we simply come to surrender and say, thank you, Lord. Lead us. Help us to live a life that honors you. We are so thankful, so grateful for all that you have done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I just pray today that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you continue to speak to our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for the words of the songs that you are speaking to us this morning. That all those songs would ring through our minds throughout the week. That as other voices come and try and distract us, Lord. That, Lord, we would declare your word, that we would know that you are for us and not against us. That you want to lead us into all truth, that you want to lead us in hope and in victory. God, we thank you for your love for us. And just thank you, Lord, for your word this morning and that you would speak to each one of us and and help us to apply these things to our lives, we pray. In your mighty name, in your powerful name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just look at that picture up there and thinking, did I put that picture on there? No, that's all right. That's all right. Thank you, Lord. That looks like me yesterday at the beach, maybe. There we go. Thank you, Lord. I hope you've had a great week. Um, every week has ups and downs, doesn't it? Um, and uh, I love January because it's so chaotic. Um, uh, I don't know if you've been working or not, but uh, for, for me, it's uh, one day at home with the family and it's chaos and great fun and one day at the beach and great fun and then you're at work and trying to plan things and do things and your brain's sort of got to change gears, doesn't it? Anyway, I don't know what gear you're in today, whether you're just going, ah, holidays, or if you're going, come on, let's go, we're into this, you've, you've been working the whole way through. But I pray today that we can... Get in sync with what God is saying to us, that we can hear from what He's saying to us. And kids, I encourage you to, to uh, join in this morning. Um, I know some of you were taking notes last week, and I encourage you to do that again this morning. If there's something God's saying that you're thinking, yeah, I need to remember that, I encourage you to write it down. And if you're a big kid in your 60s or 70s or 80s, um, I encourage you to do the same. Write it down. See what God's saying to you. Thank you, Lord. Well, this morning, uh, just to refresh, maybe you are here for the first time here this morning and we want to say welcome, or maybe you've been away on holidays and you're back again this morning and you weren't here last week, or maybe last week you were really in holiday mode and you just had a little little kip while I was speaking. Um, uh, can we go to the slides? Thanks, Lorraine. Um, last week we talked about how Jesus knew his goal. Jesus knew what he was about, and when other voices came along, other voices spoke, Jesus knew his goal and remained faithful to his calling. We talked about how Peter said, he he sort of comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, you've got to stop saying about how you're going to die. It's like, you've really, that's not right, Jesus, you shouldn't do that. 
And I've got to say, anytime we start trying to correct God, we need to turn around and have a good look at ourselves and say, who do we think we are? But Jesus knew his goal, despite the voices that said, you're not going to die, you can't die. Despite whatever people said about him or to him, he knew his mission and he stayed true to his goal. And he carried the cross. He was willing to give his life up to die a sinner's death on the cross so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. He stayed true to the goal. And he's called us to take up our cross and come follow him, to lay down our life that we might receive eternal life in following him, that we would also follow him into eternity. As as he defeated sin and death, that we too can have new life with God forever. And last week I encourage you to think about your goal in life. We're getting big picture. It's the beginning of a new year. What's your goal in life? Why, Why do you do what you do? Why are you on this planet? Those goals you're setting for 2019, why are we doing what we're doing? And I encourage you with this motto, this, this idea, this thought to make this your first thought in everything, that we would pray first. Can we just make sure we're on the slide there so I can click? That would be, thank you. Pray first. In everything we do, that we would pray first, that we would have an attitude of prayer. Not that we become legalistic and we say, sorry, I've got to stop and pray for a few minutes first before I choose whether I'll have an ego magnum or an almond magnum. It's like, we don't have to become legalistic in these things, but pray first in everything. I wonder if you've been able to implement that in your life, if you've been able to apply that to your life. I've asked some of our kids and they said, yes. I prayed before I got out of bed this morning. I thought, praise God. Are we having that attitude of praying first? Because Jesus says if we come to him, we will find rest for our souls. But we can continue in that rest if we stay yoked to him, if we continue on in in following him and listening to his teaching. We can stay in that place of rest. We don't want to keep going into a place of burnout and saying, oh God, what have I done Please help me, rescue me from this. We want to pray first and be led by him in all things. So the question this morning is, so what's God saying? If we're praying first in everything, if we're praying first about what we're doing in this coming week, if we're praying first before we get into this year ahead, what's God saying to you? I wonder if you've been listening, if you've been thinking and and, and spending time talking to God and really saying, God, what is it, your plan? What's God saying? I wonder, maybe you're thinking, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I know what God is saying? And that's what I want to look at this morning. If we're praying first, if we're dedicating our day to Him, if we're praying first about our, our, our maybe we're going off to uni, maybe we're doing different things this year, and we're saying, okay, I'm going to pray first, but what, how do I know what God's saying? I want to look at three things this morning. I want to look at a person, I want to look at a group of people, and I want to look at a letter. And we're going to talk about and think about how do we know what God is saying to us? First of all, Jesus is our great example. He is our ultimate example in everything. If you're not sure where to turn, open the Bible and look to Jesus. Look at what Jesus did, the way he spoke, the way he lived. He is our ultimate example There is no other Christ but Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's look to him this morning. 
If you've got your Bibles, actually, maybe you want to write these verses down and read, look them up later because we're going to zoom through a number of verses. But in Mark chapter 1, actually I've got a, a summary up there. Mark chapter 1, um, just find it in my Bible, just a moment. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. It says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. I love that verse. Who would like to get up right now and go out to an isolated place to pray? I love that verse. I love that idea. I want to follow Jesus and do that. But just stay where you are because you've already missed your moment. It's well and truly daytime now. Um, it's not before daybreak. It's a beautiful picture. I, I love those days when I, when I just am able to wake up before daybreak. It's, Rochelle's laughing. The rest of you are just looking at me plainly. But <laughs> it's not a usual thing for me to wake up early naturally unless there's something beeping beside my head or a kid tapping me on the head or pulling on my arm. But I love that thing when you actually get up early and you get out to an isolated place and you can pray and just be alone with God. I love it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But is there any other people here that aren't always morning people? Okay, you might be encouraged as we continue to read. Um, let's, get, let's go back to Matthew. In Matthew chapter 4, we read about how Jesus went out into the wilderness. He was tempted by the, the enemy, but he fasted for 40 days. Now, in case you're not sure, fasting is not just going without food. If you just go without food and just work more or try and get more jobs done through your day, you're not really fasting. Well, you're not eating, you're starving, but you're not truly fasting. Fasting is about dedicating our time to God. It's about going without physical food that we can spend time receiving God from God spiritually. That we, instead of eating, we put aside the time to pray. And Jesus went into the wilderness and he prayed. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Out in the wilderness. We're going to keep looking across. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. Chapter 13 verse 1, it says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. Who likes that picture? Who likes leaving the house and going sitting beside the lake all by yourself and just looking? Maybe you carry a fishing rod so you can pretend you're doing something. Or maybe you just like to sit. Um, Jesus go, leaves the house, goes and sits by the lake. It's interesting. Then you go forward a bit further in chapter 13 in verse 36. It says, Then, leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. And then we see his disciples say, Please explain to us. It's like he goes to be alone. And they follow him again because the crowds have come out to the lake to find him. Then he goes back into the house. Let's skip over to chapter 14, verse 13. It says, As soon as Jesus heard the news about John the Baptist being beheaded, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Once again, he goes off to be by himself in a boat this time. And it says that the crowds heard he was there and they go there too. Any mums feeling like they have these crowds following them? <coughs> or dads or anyone else? Yeah. <laughs> verse 22 of chapter 14. It's interesting. Jesus goes off in the boat in, in verse 13. 
In verse 22 it says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Who likes being alone? I, I'm going to be honest, I love being alone. I'm, I get recharged by being out on my bike by myself. Or maybe if Rochelle wants to come too. We just, I love being alone. We get this picture again and again and again. Jesus goes off to be by himself. The crowds find him and he goes off to be by himself, to be with the Father. This time it's as night falls. It's not always before daybreak. And all those nighttime people that hate morning said, Woohoo! I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to pray while the night falls. I'm going to go off in a boat by myself. I'm going to send my family off in a boat. There's all these different ways. There is, you see, Jesus isn't locked into one way it has to happen. And I think we need to be careful not to say, this is the way I must do it. Let's be people of prayer who, who find times to pray throughout all of the busyness of life and find times to go and be alone. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's chapter 14. Chapter 15, we skip over the page and it says in verse 29, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. He goes up on the mountain, he goes up on the hill and just sits. And then it says a vast crowd brought to him, yeah, they come again. It's a battle to find time to be alone. It is a battle in our world today to find time to be by yourself when you have the world living in your pocket in a thing called a mobile phone that wants to beep at you every second minute of the day. Do you know, one of the greatest buttons on your phone is the off button. Or if you really struggle to put it off because you've forgotten how to turn it off, find the flight mode button. Turn the world off. I love that flight mode button. It's like, I have the power to turn the world off. <laughs> Sorry if that was you. Um, <laughs> it is a battle to find time to be alone. But I want to encourage you, if we're going to be people that seek first the kingdom of God, if our goal is to live to honour Him, people are important. The things people are wanting us for and the crowds that come, the kids that come, the family that comes, the phone call that comes, those things might be very important. But what could be more important for your life and for my life than to stop to get alone, to get away from the other voices and to listen to the voice of our Father in heaven. It's interesting, in chapter 17, we see that Jesus goes up on the mountain, but this time he takes Peter, James and John. I think it's almost like Jesus is saying, guys, you've seen me go off all the time. Well, this is what I'm doing. I'm getting away. And I want you to do what I do. I want you to be like me, get away, find time to get away. And we know that the glory descends upon them and it's an awesome time. But Jesus gets away to be alone by himself. I think this verse in John chapter 5, is, I love this verse in John 5 and 19. It says, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus 
is saying, I've got to spend time with my Father. I've got to get to know His heart. I want to know my Father's heart. You know, Jesus was fully God. He's fully divine, but He came fully human. And as a human being, He wanted to spend time with His Father, to, to, not just to know the instructions. It wasn't just about getting the to-do list for the day, but He loved to spend time with His Father in heaven. He loves His Father. Do we love our Father? Do we love spending time with our Father in heaven? The next verse in John 8, 28 says, I do nothing on my own, but only say what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He, does not de- he has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. And then skipping down to verse 47. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Bring a bit of correction to some so-called believers. I wonder, do we gladly stop and listen to the voice of God? And I'm not saying listening to the voice of YouTube. I'm not saying stopping and listening to the voice of a podcast, of a, a, a great book that you've heard was written by some person. How, long do, how often do we stop? How long do we stop to listen to the voice of God? You know the verse that says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If something is stopping you from, from, from spending time with God, maybe you need to gouge it out. Actually, no, sorry, just be careful there. If that's your family, don't gouge them out. Just... Talk to each other. Work out a way that you can find time, both, all of you, together, to spend time with God. But it's so important, it is vital that we work out what is stopping us. If it truly is the goal of our life to, to know God and to live for Him, what is stopping us from enjoying time with Him? I'm going to share a little bit later on about some things that I've done in the last two years that have so encouraged me and helped me in my journey Let's get alone, let's get away, away from the TV, away from all things that distract us. The second thing I want to look at this morning is some people in Acts chapter 4. It's Peter and John. So Jesus loves the Father. Let's get get past that one. Let's look at the early church. In Acts chapter 4, it talks about Peter and John. They've been arrested for preaching the gospel. They've been questioned and, and... and told to stop preaching this name of Jesus, it's got to stop. And they're saying, no way. We're not going to stop preaching this man's name. This, this man is the saviour of the world. And the, the religious leaders are sort of, well, what do we do now? And they sort of say, well, you've just got to stop now. Get out of here. They don't know what to do. They send them off. And we read this verse in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Just stopping there for a moment. The early church, when situations occurred, when they're arrested and and thrown into prison and, and then told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, what do they do? They get together, they share the issue and they pray. 
They pray and as we read the prayer, you can go and look that up in Acts 4. And they begin to praise God for his faithfulness. They say, God, you have done these things. You, you have come as the saviour of the world. You, you've come and you are faithful and you are good and, and we look to you, God. And it goes on in verse 27. It says, the people of Israel, this is continuing their prayer, the, the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They come together in prayer. They begin to declare who God is, his faithfulness. They ask God to move in power and for boldness to preach the word of God. In other words, they come together in humility and say, God, you are faithful. This is all happening according to your plans. God, we want to be faithful. We want to be used by you. God, we want to be for your glory. Help us, we pray. Are you hearing what God is saying? Are you hearing what God is saying? If we come with a prideful attitude and we're, we're looking for things that God isn't calling us to look for, I wonder if we hear the things that God is saying. I think we need to come with an attitude of humility and say, God, you are faithful. These things have happened, but we know, God, that you are good and this is all coming together according to your good and perfect plan. We don't understand it, Lord, but Lord, help us to live for your glory. Move in power through us and in us. Give us boldness to live for your glory, God. If we're listening for the wrong thing, sometimes we don't hear what God is saying. Do we come with a humble heart? The third thing I want to look at this morning is a letter from Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. This is what Paul prays for the people in Ephesus. Verse 1, verse 15, it says this. Ever since I first heard, of your first, uh, first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you'll, be, you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader, or anything else. Let's remember that as we pray. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now, Paul prays for them. I wonder, who are we praying for 
that they would get to know God? Who are we praying for that they would grow to spiritual maturity? God can use you. God can use your prayers. God will listen to your prayers for those that you pray for. What a privilege that we can pray and intercede on the behalf of others that they might know God more fully. Who are we praying for? Paul prays for them, that they will have spiritual wisdom, that they would have wisdom, that they would know God's Spirit's leading, that they would know those things and, and listen to the voice of God and, and, and follow Him in all things. He prays that they would grow in the knowledge of God. Paul prays that, and I think our prayer should be that every person would know who God is. That they would understand the fullness of His love and His grace and His mercy, but also the, the, the eternal separation from God that is coming if they do not submit and bow down and worship Him and acknowledge Him as Lord and Saviour. That people would know that God is our Creator and our Judge. That they would know that He is gentle and kind, but He is also our Creator God, who is holy How do we grow in our knowledge of God? How do we grow in our knowledge of anyone? We spend time with them. If you get to know someone a little bit and you're thinking, this is if you're single and unmarried, and you're thinking, you're looking for your future spouse and you're thinking, maybe one day I could marry this person. The first step is to get to know them a little better. You spend time together, you might go on a date and you spend time together, you get to know each other and maybe... It's, it's, it's quite okay to get to know each other and say, actually, God loves you and we are going in different directions. God bless you, but this isn't the right relationship for marriage. But as you get to know each other, you might realize that actually this person is helping me know God. This person's helping me live for God. And I, I believe God's helping me help this person know God. And as you get to know each other, there's, there's a, a beautiful opportunity to help each other walk together and know God more. Here's some courtship advice, guys. This is a little bit sidetracking. But. but if you want to get to know someone, you've got to spend time with them. If you don't spend time with them, you don't know what they're like when they're tired. You don't know what they're like when they go and watch a game of footy, if they're a footy lover. If you don't get to know what someone's like when they're at home, then you don't really know the person. If we want to get to know someone, we've got to spend time with them. If our goal is to know God, we must spend time with Him. If our goal is to live for God and, and, and live a life that honours Him, we've got to know Him. And if we want to know Him, we've got to spend time with Him. I want to give you four quick bits of advice, suggestions for your year ahead. And number one is pray. Pray what? Pray first. Pray first in everything. Pray, spend time in prayer. Secondly, read. And as I looked at my slides this morning, I thought, this is, goes without saying, but it's read the Bible. You can read other books, that's fine, but read the Bible. There's great books out there, but the Bible is the only true and living Word of God. 
It is the authority in all things. We are a church that believes God's word is the authority. And we want to stay faithful to his word no matter what season, no matter what society changes there is. God's word is his authority. It tells us who he is. It tells us what he's like. It tells us what he's done and what he's going to do. If we want to know God, get to know his word. Because he is the living word. Read the Bible. And you know what? The Bible was not written as a daily devotional. The Bible was not written with little chunks that you read each day and go, oh, that's nice. I'll go about my day now. The Bible is a collection of letters and, and, and historical documents and things that were written that we could know God. And it's great to just read a little bit every day. But if we never read a letter of Paul from start to finish in one sitting, we are probably going to miss the points of the letters. If you read from the start to finish the book of Ephesians or the letter of Romans, you get a picture that you will not get if you just read one chapter at a time. And I want to encourage you, if you have never read from cover to cover one book of the Bible, make it your goal this week, this month, to read through a book of the Bible. It's not a daily devotional. It's God's instructions. It's his word to us. And he wants us to study it. It's a book not just to reflect on and think about sometimes. It's a book to study. It brings life to us. It shows us how to live. It shows us who God is. It shows us what God is like. And God speaks to us through his word. God's speaking to you right now. Maybe you want to... It's gone away again. Take notes. Write it down. Make it appear. Whoa, that's not too, that's too far. Anyway, take notes. If God's speaking to you right now, study a book of the Bible. Write that down. There we are. Take notes. Sometimes we get confused. We lose our thought. Thoughts come and they go. If you are studying for a year 12 exam, I wonder how many of you listened to the teacher, you read the books, and you never wrote any notes. My, my guess is none of us, if you wanted to do well and pass. If you want to do well in things, if you have a shopping list in your head and you want to go to the shops and buy things, I write it down, because if I don't write it down, I will come back with all kinds of tasty bakery items and nothing that I should have. If anything is important to you, I encourage you to write it down. Maybe you've got a photographic memory, and if you do, we are all envious of you. But we need to write down the things that are important to us. If God is speaking to us, do we write it down? Do we, do we care enough about what God is saying to write it down and think, this is important? I encourage you as you spend time with God to have a pen and paper handy. I love to journal, and, and if you've never journaled before, basically as I read the Bible and pray, I have a, a, a blank journal beside me, and I'll just write the thoughts that God puts in my mind as I pray and as I think, and I'll, I'll, I'll write down my prayers to God sometimes, and there'll be something He just puts on my mind, and I'll, I'll write down, a, and you know what, it's amazing that the, the things that come into your mind that you need to do as you pray happen, and if you have a pen and paper, you just write it down, forget about it, and keep praying, keep reading the Bible. You've got your list there, you can think about it later. Take notes, read, pray. Fourthly, tell others. It's amazing what you learn when you tell other people what God is saying to you. 
Has anyone ever tried to teach kids about God? You've really got to think through how you say what you say. If you want to remember what God is saying to you, tell someone about it. Share it with your life group and say, you know, I feel like God's really saying this to me this week. Catch up with someone and share over a coffee or tell someone. Last question I want to ask you this morning, I think, unless I think of another one. (laughs) When's it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When are you going to pray? When are you going to read? When are you going to write down these notes, these things that God's saying to you? When are you going to tell other people? I know for me, in my life, if I do not plan it into my week, it does not happen. If something is not written into my diary, it does not happen. I want to ask you, when are you going to set aside that time to pray and read your Bible? When are you going to set aside that time to read and and pray and listen to what God is saying and, and write down those thoughts that he's giving you? You can have the best of intentions, but intentions that never turn to action don't really change our lives, do they? You know, you can see what's really important to someone if you go and read their diary. Now, guys, that's not permission to go and read your sister's diary, you know, like that little... But if you did read in someone's diary, I guess you would find out what's really important to them, wouldn't you? But if you read someone's calendar, if you read someone's diary... I just remembered as I'm speaking, I'm thinking, I saw a little bit of that movie, 27 Dresses, and that guy that finds the diary and the... Anyone see that? No? Okay. You find out about a person when you read their diary. You find out about what's important to them. You see what they're thinking about, what they're planning for. I wonder if we read your diary, what would we see that is important to you? Is it holidays? Is it sport? Is it work? Is it TV? I remember a time in my life when I was writing down TV shows on my calendar so I'd remember not to miss them. It's been a very rare phase of my life, but that's happened. Over the last two years, before we had Michael, I I went to God and I said, God, I I need to know how to live my life better. And God really spoke to me about some things to do in my life. And over the last two years, I've used a a totally different way of planning my life. And I've done good times of it and bad times of it and done it well and done it poorly. But to sit down and plan out eight weeks of my life at a time and I sit down and I pray and I say, God, what are you speaking to me about my life? What are you calling me to do? Who are the people that you're really stirring me by your spirit to go and see, to visit, to encourage? And as I said, always pray first. And I I set goals for my family, for for my reading time, for my prayer time, for for church life. I I plan it in. I say, God, I'm going to make that time happen. I'm going to keep physically active. I've actually had a gym membership and, and been using it sometimes. And going for, I've done more bike rides in the last 12 months than I have in the last 10 years. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, this, this last 12 months, I've felt more alive. I've felt more connected with God. I've felt more relaxed. Now, there's still stressful moments, but as I, I pray and allow God to set my agenda, it's amazing the stress it reduces in my life rather than just waiting for all the voices to speak. If you wait just for all the voices, and, and I've planned my life with a to-do list before, but a to-do list without a time it's allocated to be done is a wish list. 
If you've got a to-do list that never gets allocated to a time and say, all right, that day at, in the afternoon, I'm going to do that job. If we don't allocate times to do the things we've put on our to-do list, it's a wish list. And now this, this myth may not be for everyone. Maybe you're not a planner and maybe this isn't for you, but I'm just sharing right now practically what's really helped me the last two years. And up on the back table, there's a, a cup, there's copies of this and it's got goals for me in life. As a Christian, what are the goals God is stirring in me by His Spirit? What are the goals He wants? Maybe there's a book He wants me to read. Maybe it's the book of Ephesians He wants me to study. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to say, where in the week is this going to happen? As a human, how am I going to stay healthy? When's my bike ride going to happen this week? When am I going to spend time with my family? When are we going to have that games night we've talked about having as a family? Let's plan it in. Let's make sure it happens. Where am I called to serve and, and, and do ministry? And where does work fit into my life and community and connecting with non-Christians to share the gospel? Where do these things happen? Grab a copy. I encourage you. You know, we can plan and our plans can fail. But if we fail to plan, the saying goes, we're planning to fail. If we have the greatest intentions but we never make any plans to implement it into our life, we can say we're going to pray, we can say we're going to read, but if we never plan a time that we're actually going to stop and we're going to get alone and spend time with our Father in heaven, it's not going to happen how we desire. Now, I want to encourage you that if you've got family, we've got five kids, I know life is busy, let's ask each other for help. Let's talk to each other and say, you know what, I need to work this out. Can you help me do this? And I've talked with Rochelle and we've talked about times when it's easier for us to get away and have our own time apart from the busyness of life. And I've talked to those that also work here and often here and, 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 and Kim and Sue and Sam, they, they printed out little signs for me and they told me I had to stick them up on my office door. It says, meeting with God. I said, put it up. Don't let us come in to your office if you need time with God. And I still hate putting it up because I'm like, I don't want to say you can't come and see me, but I'm meeting with God now. I need this time. I need to pray. I need to read God's word. I need to study his word. We all need to find that time, to plan that time Ask for help if it's a tr- if it's a, tr- a, tr- a trouble, a struggle, a trouble, a problem, a hard thing. When's it going to happen? I want to encourage you. Lock it in. I'm so thankful that we have a pattern set in place where we meet together as a church on Sunday mornings. I want to encourage you. Lock it in on my planner every week. Sunday morning is blocked in. It's blue. It's blocked out. Nothing comes in on a Sunday. It's church day. It's the day I get together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. We worship God together. We pray. We listen to his word. And even if I wasn't a pastor, that's in there. We go away on holidays. It's in there. We go on a church. Lock it in. Maybe you want to lock in a life group this year that you want to say, I I need to have a time when I sit down with others and read the Bible and study it and talk about it together. Maybe you want to lock that in. Come along to our life group launch night on Tuesday the 29th. (laughs) This morning we're going to finish with something else that we have locked in every Sunday. This is something we do because it's so important and that's communion. We've got to lock it in. If we didn't lock it in, it just sort of happened sometimes. It'd, we'd remember sometimes. But communion is about remembering that everything 
that we have in Christ is because of the cross. Everything we have as believers is because of the cross. It's because of Jesus' sacrifice for us that we can have life and eternal life. I'm going to ask the stewards if they'd come now, and actually ask the band to come too. Let's lock it in. If anything's important to us, we plan for it. If there's anything that's truly our passion, we find time for it. And I don't say that to make anyone feel guilty. I've had seasons in my life when it's just been a struggle to really draw aside. I know what that's like. But let's do all we can as we begin a new year to spend time with our Father. I think it's so appropriate that we finish with communion because it's not about what we do. It's about what He has done that makes us whole, that makes us right in His sight. He will not turn you away because of your failures. But let's set aside times to remember His sacrifice to hear what he is saying, to hear what he has already said to us through his word.